Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to the Story Podcast. But before we get into today's show, I would just like to say, if you are watching on Facebook or YouTube, please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us. It really does help out our show. If you really want to help out our show, we can you can rate us or review us or on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Facebook, and that helps us boost our podcast up into the rankings and will help more people see it. So if you really like our podcast, please be sure to do that. Today, I have on a really awesome dude, Mr. Mike Bitz. Hello. Mike Bitz is a local Lancaster-based multi-instrumentalist. He's played bass for the Innocence Mission, Solar, Solar Federation, The Genesis Show, Naked Eye Ensemble, and Tractor Jerry in the Mud Bucket, a bluegrass alt-rock, alt, I'm sorry, alt-country group, which won Best Alt-Country Group by... Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame in 2021. Mike has released three albums on A&M Records plus nine albums on various independent labels. He has toured with artists Don Henley, Natalie Merchant, and Emmy Lou Harris. TV slash radio appearances include NPR's Weekend Edition, WXN, WXPN's World Cafe, Best VA Public Broadcasting Mountain Stage, and NPR's Tiny Desk Concert Series. He was the and music director of American Music Theater and is currently the choir director and organist at St. Mary's Church in Lancaster. Mike has been a session musician for over 30 years, currently house bassist at Kinsley Audio in Lancaster. Clients include Jessica Smucker, Dan Zadilla, Cliff Hillis, Steve Ward, Dennison Whitmer, Clarence Beatty, Robert Gordon, and Clyde Lucas. Mike has also taught music for over 30 years in Lancaster, PA. He gives lesson on electric and upright bass, piano, guitar, and ukulele. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. You have a, a long list of, of, of life. I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> so tell me, where did this all start for you? Uh, as far as uh, when music. I started getting interested in music, yeah. I, my, um, I started playing the piano by ear um, around four, and then my mother, is uh, she's a singer. Um, she toured with uh, Glenn Miller Orchestra for a number of years. And so she recognized that I had some talent for it, so she got me started on piano lessons, you know, at seven. So it just kind of went from there. Then I got interested in uh, guitar, and then from there I um, was watching Soul Train, and I saw, I think it was the Spinners, and I wanted to play bass then. So I started to, um, so that's what I really latched on to. And that's, that's kind of my number one instrument. So what, what from there? Did you uh, play bass, figure out that you were really good at it, and then decided to do that forever? Or Yeah, I just, uh, it, yeah, I, I had pretty narrow interests. So, um, you know, I just uh, really uh, just hyper-focused on playing music, and specifically bass guitar. I just fell in love with it. And um, then once uh, I got older and I discovered um, rock and roll, rock music, then that, that just uh, went even further. <laughs> So at what point did you uh, join a band? I joined my first band, um, I guess, 1979, um, when I was still a freshman in uh, high school. Uh, some other kids in my, in my high school um, playing a band where we did some um, wedding receptions and things like that. So that was my first exposure, and I was playing guitar in that band. And then um, the, uh, after a year, the uh, drummer went off to college, and the bass player in that band started playing drums, so I got 
demoted to bass, <laughs> as they say. So and I just and that that was it, and I just stuck with that. What was it like for you as a freshman to be in a band? It was pretty exciting. My, my first gig I ever played was in a, a shopping mall, and I I thought it was, this was was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> so did anybody ever stop by and like listen or? <laughs> yeah, you know, people walking by and. And listening for a little bit. My, my, my mom and dad were listening the whole time. <laughs> they really liked it. So did you grow from there? And perform, I, performing in, in a shopping mall, I mean, it's so foreign. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I guess it would have been, yeah, it was probably 1979. So um, it was probably, I'm not even sure what the, it was probably for some kind of mm. event, you know. Yeah. And we were probably like adjunct entertainment. So, so did you guys grow from there? I assume so. Oh, well, from there, um, that band, th those, all those guys were older than I was. So eventually they went you know, to, to college, gotcha. and I played with them. And that's when I started um, playing with um, my other my friends from high school, um, which eventually became the Innocence Mission. We, we all started in, in, uh, playing together in high school. And uh, that was... Uh, we met uh, during a uh, production of Godspell. Uh, That's cool. You know, my, yeah, it was, so I was a, I was a sophomore at that year. And so then, the Innocence Mission. Tell me about that. Uh, it's very why, why the band name, etc. Uh, the that was um, yeah that that the our lead singer and our songwriter uh, came up with that name, um, and I can't. It's been you know it's been over thirty years. I can't even remember why she why why we named it that. <laughs> to tell you the truth, but um, we, uh, you know, we started playing together in um, 1982 uh, for the Lancaster Catholic High Carnival. So we, you know, we played on a flatbed truck, um, and it just sort of went there. So we played as a as a cover band for a number of years, and then we just started. Uh, um, Karen, our, our vocalist, was uh, writing songs the whole time, and we just eventually. Uh, morphed into doing that, so playing our own music. Did you ever write your own songs? Me, I'm not a writer. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, yeah, I like to. Um, I really enjoy doing arrangements for for other people. Uh, I think so. That's that's about as close I get to the the creative part. Otherwise, I'm more or less a musical craftsperson. When did you start getting into arranging? I I learned about it in. Um, when I was still in high school, I'm in music theory class. One of our assignments was we had to take a song and do an arrangement that the uh, school band could play. And um, so they, they played it, and uh, it, it was pretty terrible. And not, not the band, my arrangement, but, uh, right. but, it, but it got me interested uh, in, in doing that and learning how to do it better. And then um, a, a while later, uh, we, I was working at American Music Theater, and we... Um, me and, and a couple of other guys in the orchestra um, put together uh, our, a musical that we wanted to, to uh, perform. Um, and I, it kind of fell to me to do the arrangements for, uh, for that ensemble. So it was, a, it was a little bit of a larger ensemble, and there's a lot of keyboard parts and things, so it just sort of went from there. I, so how'd you go from a band to American Music Theater? Oh, uh, uh, I had my first child, and uh, my wife and I, our first child in 1996. And um, at that point, I just decided I was not going to be on the road anymore. So I was looking for things to do around the area. Uh, 
uh, you know, where I didn't have to travel. So I started playing, uh, doing musical theater. So I was at Dutch Apple for a number of years, Dutch Apple Theater. And um, the music director there was taking a job at the American Music Theater. And, um, you know, he uh, said, hey, you know, gave me an audition. And uh, that's, that's how I started playing with them. So they were there, I was there about three years. Now, we've had a lot of fun conversations about uh, musical theater and their region of music. Yes. Uh, we, know, we know, we've learned that people don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, when I was, um, the first year that I was there, uh, Finale was, in its, was mm. still not a very good application. And uh, I would get these arrangements uh, for bass that were well below the range of the instrument. Even if you had a, a, a five-string or a six-string really? bass, they were below the, the range of the instrument. So, um, or, yeah, so this, this is things like that. So there, there's a lot of, if you, you have to know something about each instrument that you're playing. I did a, I did a, an arrangement for this um, group, Naked Eye Ensemble. Um, and that, that's all orchestral instruments, you know, woodwinds. Um, and, um, yeah, I had to really, I was make, doing a lot of uh, back and forth with musicians because um, all the things that you learn about instrumentation and, and I, I didn't graduate from college so I was like you know just having to learn things as I go and um, you know I'd, be, I'd call up the clarinetist and say hey what's the what's the lowest possible practical note on the clarinet yeah. you know and uh, what's the register break I forget what that is and she's like that doesn't matter anymore don't worry about it <laughs> so, so you know things like that I had to to learn um, just getting instrument ranges and what was and also um, keys too so yeah um, sure because uh, the, you know, a lot of it, Naked Eye Ensemble plays um, new music, and new music doesn't tend to be written in keys anymore. So it's it's really yeah the, the accidentals are just written in. There's not much a tonal center. Um, oh yeah, I guess pieces. I yeah. Got you. So you know, I wrote. I was trying to you know, it's like. For telling finale, favoring sharps as opposed to favoring flats, and I had to, I did do that a couple times with um, some of the woodwinds. Say, hey, could you change it? Like this is really hard to read, you know, for for my instrument. So, um, yeah, so I was learning as I went. So, but I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the process. Yeah, I'm sure, and mm -hmm. uh, that must be really fun having to learn like atonal kind of uh, weird yeah. ish pieces. Like right, that. and 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 I just want to point out that. Um, the music, a lot of the music that we do is not, that, that, that's getting written now, isn't necessarily even atonal. Because when I think of like new music or 20th century, I think of the stuff that was in the 50s and 60s, you know, right, where okay. it was all, where people were getting really spaced like out. Gershwin. Harmonically. Just, um, you know, guys like Milton Babbitt. And, Milton, um, okay. Yeah, and um, Anton Webern, which I think mean, that's great music. But um, the, the composers that are writing now, they're, they're very attuned to, you know, the music that's been happening since the 60s and 70s, and they're incorporating it into the music. Not, they're not like writing rock pieces for it. It's, right. not, it's not rock and roll, but the, the spirit and the, yeah. Yeah, the tonality is there. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. So that, that, that's by far the, the hardest thing uh, is, is playing in that uh, ensemble. It's a super challenge because, um, you know, everything's written out. And, um, and, uh, a lot of the times, uh, I would learn. I typically learn music by listening to it, mm -hmm. uh, bypassing the, um, you know, the sheet music as much as possible. 
So I, mean, I was working on one piece. Uh, it is when my early in my tenure with with uh, with the, the group, and um, I was telling I think it was the director I was, or or also was the composer. I was like, hey, I'm trying to find a recording, uh, you know, so I can you know just you know latch on to some of these things. And he's like, you are the recording. <laughs> You're doing the premiere of the piece, and I, I didn't even realize that. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So they do. So Naked Eye Ensemble does a lot of um, uh, works on you know commissions pieces from. From groups, so that's really good. and it's a Lancaster based yes ensemble. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, any of you or- orchestral uh, writers out there? Yeah, local, yeah. at least local in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I've always wanted. I'm. I'm a. I don't know if I told you this beforehand, but I went to college for music composition. Right. Yeah. A classically trained uh, composer. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have. Uh, because you're right with with it's so much about learning what the instrument can actually do. Right, because a composer can have all sorts of ideas in his mind. Yeah, yes. But what's actually feasible, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what can uh, like, what kind of double stop can a violin do feasibly, mm-hmm. or what kind, how how fast can a violin run? And it's pretty fast, but right. How how fast? Because right. there's a limit. There's always a limit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a really fascinating process because we are working with the composer. He's writing for the ensemble, you know, and. Uh, Finding out what our strengths are, what we, what we can do. Um, yeah, what can your people do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, one composer we're working with, he was asking, you know, you know, what what pedals do you have? What's your what what kind of tones can you get out of the instrument? So he actually came over once uh, for the guitar player and I. And we were just sort of demonstrating some things that we could do on the instrument. So it, it give him an idea of how to write uh, the piece. You know, you know, that's one thing I always do whenever I'm writing something for orchestra or like for example, yeah. I wrote a quartet. And uh, it's called Quartet Chaos, so it's yeah. very it's it's very chaotic. It's it's a classical piece that starts out like Mozart, and then people just get sidetracked. It's a, it's a right. funny a funny piece. Right. Um. So I had to go to my violinist, my violist, and say, uh, "What's the weirdest way you can play violin?" And she's like, <laughs> "Uh," she puts her arm around her head like this, and bows. I can do this. I'm like perfect. <laughs> We're gonna. What can That's you do awesome. like that? That's great. <laughs> And uh, so we, we did stuff it. like that. We did uh, double slide, uh, double stop slides. Be, you know, these classically trained musicians, like, mm-hmm. that's that's heretical. How dare you? <laughs> but they can do it. Right. And, yep. you know, just doing weird things that end up sounding really cool. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, shout out to, before we before we move on, uh, uh, there's a program out now. Uh, you mentioned Finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe they cost like 100 bucks to buy. But uh, there's yeah. a there's a, a free uh, score builder. It's called MuseScore for those who who want to get right. into score writing, mm-hmm. and it's I've used that for years. It's incredible, and I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but just another resource to use because it has those ranges in it. it mm-hmm. So it'll tell you if, if something's playable, if something is feasible, right? And uh, whatever the range is, and, and it's it's been a, it's been a gigantic help for my college career. Nice. And it doesn't have – my problem with Finale is that the samples aren't very good. I have a lot of problems with Finale. You yeah, know, right. Samples are one of them. <laughs> yeah, as far as, like, instrument ranges, they're still um, they're still gearing it towards, like, uh, high school or college players, like, the you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the ranges. Because I'm calling the, you know, the, I don't know, the clarinet, clarinetist. I'm like, is, is that really the, the – is this really the – 
out of range for your instrument? She's like, no, no. If you're in right. high school, maybe. But, but that, so this, if you don't know, then yeah, I, I, I'm know. glad I said something so I didn't just assume. Yeah, with, with, yeah. so with the way the music score deals with that, it will, it will, it'll be black if it's normal, right? Yeah. But if it's pushing it, it'll become like yellow or something. Mm-hmm. So that way you know it's possible. It's just an experienced player has to do it, yeah. right? And uh, one more thing about music score, and I'll end my rant. <laughs> but they also have a website where you can upload your scores for free and then look at right. other people's scores mm-hmm. too. So a great place for free scores is also Muse score. Yeah, I worked with a student that uh, a bass student that was really into Muse score, and he he actually showed me a lot about how to use it because we were we we were using. I was helping him do an arrangement for mm-hmm. his high school ensemble. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Yeah, when I first bought Finale, like in the mid-90s, it was like a $700 program. And I think they just recently announced this big, you know, redu- I think it's now like uh, $199 or something. Yeah, it's, it's around so, yeah. 200 or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I just, it's so hard to use. <laughs> it is hard to use. Yeah, for un- yeah. Unnecessarily hard to yeah. use. Yeah, yeah it's it's. Super time-consuming. I, I know it's taking me a lot longer to do work on that than it should. And mm-hmm. uh, sometime I'm going to get around to learn. I, I've been using it so long, though, you get entrenched. It's hard, right. to, hard to change. <laughs> so, But that might be a good project. Yeah, so if you're, if you're looking into score writing, definitely, granted, it's a little less professional, but MuseScore, it's free. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And it gets the job done. Right. And that's, as a musician, that's one of the most important things get is to get done. the job done yes. in a timely manner. Right. Uh, so you have been arranging for a long time. What are some of your favorite pieces you've ever arranged, do you think? Uh, my, my favorite now is uh, one I did, did for a Naked Eye Ensemble. Um, it's an arrangement of um, this piece called Sinister Footwear 2. It's by Frank Zappa. So it's... Um, uh, you know, arranged for the for the full ensemble, and that's the one that it took. It took a really long time, and and uh, it's gone through like two revisions since then. Um, Zhu Ping, or the the music director and the pianist, um, she was uh, basically she wanted more to do, <laughs> so so uh, right. So I gave yeah, which is good. I'm glad I did because it really it did make it better. Um, and that probably pushed you on the on your knowledge of the piano as well. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But uh, that that was a lot of fun uh, to work on. That that just really it made me um, it made me better because I had to learn a bunch of things. And and um, I don't know how familiar you are with Zappa's pieces, but there's a lot of like polyrhythms and, and just finding the best way to write those out. Um, it's yeah, that's another yeah. question. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm starting to dive heavily into the polyrhythms like. Uh, irregular rhythms, mm-hmm. uh, polymeter, stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. it, it's such a fascinating concept. For those who don't know what polyrhythm is, it's mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you ever play a triplet over 4-4? Four, four? It's exactly what it is. It's 3 against 4, mm-hmm. 3 against 5, 5 against 7, stuff yeah. that, uh, you, and you can go insane with this if you really wanted to. You can do 99 over 100. Sure. And it, it it's weird, but, it, but you can do it. Right. Um, polymeter, uh, different, same time, different uh, rhythms at the same time. So you have four four and three four at the same time within the, which is it's kind of similar to polyrhythms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. it's really cool experimental stuff. It really to get is. Into. Yeah, if you're interested in polyrhythms, I recommend. Um, I think his name's Gary Chappie's 
book uh, on polyrhythms. He, he taught Vinnie Kaliuta, who's the polyrhythmic right. master, you know. And uh, it's it's written for snare drum, but but uh, but just just see it and how everything is subdivided. Um, it's the only time I ever used a metronome for practicing, is so you can play like play inside those. You know, you just hear that steady metronomic beat, and then playing this crazy fives and sevens. You know, space it and out. So that that's definitely a good good book to get to if you want to dig dig into it. And also, YouTube is also oh, a really good a really good resource. There's so many videos that you can watch on, on YouTube. Uh, Adam Neely is a really good. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, he's definitely a favorite. <laughs> yeah, definitely a favorite uh, yeah. of mine to watch, and because his band, I think it's Sungazer. I love that band. You love that yeah. band, yeah. Yep. It they do incredible stuff with their with their drumming patterns. It where it feels like it's drunk, but it's drunk. Yeah, drunk. That, yeah, yeah. I was obsessed with that that piece for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's. They do insane. He, have you ever seen his arrangements of, of songs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, he did this arrangement of Adele, uh, of, the, of Adele's "Hello," and it is incredible. It is mm-hmm. my preferred, highly preferred version of Adele's uh, music, and I think he did Ariana Grande's uh, "Thank You" next as well. Yeah, incredible theory. Right. Yeah, his harmonizations are pretty incredible, and I don't. I just don't. I don't have a, a, that good of an understanding of it. So when I'm trying to find, I have to really dig in to find out what he was doing. Yeah. And, and he explains it really well. So. He does explain it very well. Yeah. He talks yeah. too fast, but he's getting better. He does talk too fast <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it's, if, especially if you want to get into like new theory or, uh, I shouldn't say new theory, mm-hmm. but like more advanced theory. Right. Uh, check out these people. Adam Neely, 8-Bit Musician is another good one. 12-Tone mm-hmm. is, a, is a really good Have you ever seen 12-Tone? Yes, uh, not much, but yeah, I'm familiar. He's very good at. He analyzes music and tells it why this works, why that doesn't work, yeah. whatever, oh, cool. yeah. whatever stuff like that. He, and he writes it all out as he's speaking. Yeah. So it's yeah. very visual. Nice. Uh, Rick Beato. Rick, yeah, yeah, yeah Rick, Rick Beato. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, I can go on and on and on. And there, there are so many resources for you if you want to dive deep, or if you're just going to get started. There's Still, an immense amount of, of people you can mm-hmm. go to. I, I can picture somebody in my head, but I can't really remember his name. Mm-hmm. That uh, He's a guitar teacher, and uh, he just goes through the basics very, very simply. And then he has video series of, of advancement. Mm-hmm. So he'll go through different chord progressions and like what this means, like how, a, how do you make something feel like it's flying. Uh, hint, it's a major one to a major two. Stuff like, stuff right, like that right. that you don't get taught necessarily it's more of doing it exactly. experience exactly yep and you've been doing it for 30 years or so yeah yeah i mean that yeah the arrangement piece yeah it's been um uh a little more than it, than it had been um but uh, yeah so i'm really enjoying um doing that still learning so what do you think has been the hardest piece Oh, for arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the uh, the show I did for American Music Theater at the time that was really hard because that was my first big job. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> so, and again, I keep coming back to the, the naked eye piece. That that was that was definitely that was definitely the hardest because the um, you know the, just the well, they're, they're, her standards are incredibly high, so it's got to be you know. So we did a lot of work to get it to sound right. And do you play guitar for them or as well, or do you play for them as well? I'm the bass player. Bass player. player. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are some of the craziest things you've ever had to do on a bass? 
Well, they would all be in Naked Eye Ensemble, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I'm trying to think what the, there is. Um, th there's a piece uh, by um, uh, Andrew Myers uh, called uh, Strabismus. And it, you want to talk about like, like um, really dense harmonic content and, uh, and, and, the, and the rhythms, uh, the polyrhythms. Um, there's a lot that, that are playing in unison with other instruments. So to get everything to lock up, the only polyrhythms only work if everybody is locking in. Yeah. And that's a good and the the thing that's hard is the they're naked eye ensemble, they're classically trained musicians. And I'm not. Um, they have a different sense of time. Adam Neely did a uh, he did a spot about that. Mm -hmm. uh, how how classical musicians perceive time differently. Um, so that so locking in uh, especially, uh, I have to play. Uh, I do. I play a lot of figures with uh, the piano a lot. You know, just sort of doubling, and um, yeah, it was really hard. You know, you just think, oh, you know, it's, it's probably like in four four or something, but it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound. And right. I don't. And I didn't really know why, but I, I could tell it didn't sound right. So that was really um, difficult to work through. You know, and uh, you know, and, and they start pieces like just with this head nod. You know. You know that, that's because that's the, the classical thing. The music comes out of nowhere. nowhere. You know, and, I, yeah. and the guitar player and I were like, "Can we? Can't we just go one, two, three, four? <laughs> <laughs> can't we just get like a subtle? Like, but, like but you know, I get it. it's their world. So right. That's, of you know, so I'm I'm just you know I'm just visiting. So <laughs> can I get some in ears, please? Yeah. Right. Can I get a click track? Yeah, we well yeah we play click track to a, a number of those pieces a lot of times there'll be in some certain pieces there'll be other musical events that are going on on you know a, a pre-recording we got to play along to that um okay that's so, good that'd be nice. that's nice I'm yeah sorry. there's a lot of crazy i definitely urge you to check the, these guys out absolutely <laughs> I'm, it's the one thing yeah. i'm gonna do as soon as i go home is check out them uh yeah they just put out we just put out a, a record cd uh, a couple of weeks ago of um Piece, the, the, my piece is on it, and uh, that, that I arranged, and uh, some other uh, recent works. You wouldn't happen to know uh, Doris Hawk Lottie, would you? The clarinet player. I do not. No. no. She, I, she, this, I think this would be right up her alley. Uh, she's a okay. Grammy Award winner uh, clarinetist. Oh, cool. Played yeah. with uh, choir groups like The Crossing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah. No. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think she'd eat this up. Nice. For sure. Awesome. So. You've also been a part of Solar Federation, Generous So, and others. Uh, what yeah. was what was it like to be in those kind of bands? Oh, I, I totally enjoy it. Um, the uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, playing in tribute bands kind of extended my shelf life for performance. You know, for maybe another ten years. Uh, basically, because it's um, it's the music that I grew up loving. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, uh, you know, Solar Federation is a Rush tribute band, mm -hmm. and uh, Genesis shows obviously uh, Genesis. So uh, I, I grew up loving progressive rock, you know, uh, you know, in my high school years. So just getting the opportunity to play that music again, and it's um, just trying to recreate it. You're trying to um, not, not, uh, not verbatim. Well, I mean, you're you're recreating music as it hap as it happened, but it's without the uh, you know some bands where you know. Uh, costumes and funny hats and stuff we don't do that gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's not and don't try to you know and this, the singers definitely have their own way of delivering it while still staying true to the to the music 
So um, that's been hard. It, the, um, the, the Genesis show is recreating live shows. Mm. So our music director, who's the keyboard player, he, has, he transcribes every uh, aspect of that performance. No, for, I don't know if you, you are with Genesis, but some of those older pieces, they're really dense. And, oh. and, and uh, they, the, because we're recreating the live concert tours, most of the things that we're doing aren't um, recorded. Yeah, released re- legitimately, so they're off of bootlegs. So you got to listen to the, you know, these boots that are pretty terrible sounding, and just uh, that's funny. Get every little note, including the mistakes, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I don't necessarily play the mistakes, but uh, right. He's course. very thorough. He's he's he just. Oh, so you're going to be a tribute band. We're yeah. going to be a tribute band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and the thing is, those. Uh, especially for these, for those particular bands, they demand it. They they want it. They can tell if it's not, yeah. Uh, Rush bands, they're they're unbelievable. Even really? they they don't know that they, they mo- most likely don't have musical training. But um, yeah, if you're not playing something a particular way or the right way, they they will let you know. So. Yeah, that's something I got to get into. <laughs> I, there are so many bands that I've really got to dig into, and Rush has been a, a common one that everyone brings up. It's uh, they're very polarizing. You you like them or you do not like them. So yeah. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the their fan base. I mean, and the the fan base. They are they're they're lifers. They're they're in mm. it forever, and uh, it's all great. And I I started getting into them at a time when they were that kind of music was becoming the uncoolest thing uh, to listen to. Really? Yeah, yeah. Progressive rock was not. I was, I, I was, I grew up in the 80s, so, you know, you know, my high school years. So, yeah, prog rock was not, yeah. <laughs> I gotta, was, see, this is the stuff you learn while doing a podcast. <laughs> you gotta learn, okay, when are, when is, when was stuff in, when was stuff out? Yeah. Uh, what were the bands of the day? Yeah. Well, in the, um, I, yeah, it, it started in, uh, I don't want to give a, uh, music history class, <laughs> but uh, you know when uh, uh, punk rock started in uh, the, you know the mid seventies, and it was seen as a way of wiping the slate clean because was it disco? Because or? rock got pretty, it was kind of bloated, and uh, you know the the whole arena rock thing, and pe- people wanted to get back to basics, you know. So, and then from there it turned into new wave, and then uh, then indie bands you know started popping up like. Um, uh, well, the, you know, like the big ones are U2 and from the early days and um, REM. Mm-hmm. You know, the people are just you know, just um, playing more stripped down uh, rock and roll, for lack of a better word. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. That's because all my knowledge is like, okay, there's Elton John, there's the Queen, there's. Uh, I guess the 70s and 80s are kind of a blind spot. I never realized that, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there, there's a lot of things going on because uh, hair metal was another big. 80s yeah. phenomenon, and that's that's the only, yeah, genre music I just do not like. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Some of it are great, great musicians. You know, I have nothing bad to say about the craft. I just don't didn't care for it. <laughs> there, there, yeah. There's one thing to be said of like they're great musicians. Yeah, don't care for the music. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. And that's just yeah, that's a personal taste. Yeah, that's so. just personal taste. <laughs> yeah. it, everyone's gonna have their music that they don't like. For me, mm. it's screamo. I can't get along with yeah. screamo. Uh, yeah, it's not necessarily <laughs> not my jam, yeah, but other people jam. really love it, and that's great. I'm yeah. glad you do. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, Rush is is extremely polarizing. So you give it a chance. I will. Yeah, I, I I'll give everybody a chance. because yeah. that's honestly that's how I yeah. live my life. I mean, for me, I, I'll just say for for me, it was uh, the matter of 
growing up in the 70s and starting to get interested in bass, I didn't even listen to rock and roll because you couldn't hear the bass on rock records because it was, it was a guitar-driven medium. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you think right, of, like, yeah. Led Zeppelin. You know, right. guitar is, like, front and center, as it should be. As and then the be. drums are pounding away. It sounds awesome. The bass is kind of, like, back here. Dull, yeah. And being more supportive role. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, I heard Rush for the first time. And... Um, you know, Getty Lee's like all over the place. You know, playing. You know, and and that just that just blew me away. Um, uh, and then that's that's when I it made the decision that I wanted to get better. You know, <laughs> as, a, as a player. You know, before then I uh, before then what I really loved was um, was uh, funk and rhythm and blues music. Mm. Uh, like I loved Soul Train. You know, I talked about it before. Because even on my tiny TV three inch screen or my tiny little record player, I could still hear the bass. You know, it, they, they, that's how they mixed it. You know, and I love disco for the same reason because the bass was super prominent. And it and, was uh, super funky. Yeah, and then basically when I heard Rush, that's the first time I could hear bass on the rock record, <laughs> uh, and that's what gotcha. got me uh, in that direction. That's awesome. Yeah, you've also uh, you've also been uh, t- making TV and radio appearances. Tell me how you got into that. That was all. That was all from uh, playing with uh, the Innocence Mission. Okay. Yeah, we uh, we we put out a. We uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We put out a couple of records on um, A&M Records. So, being on, on a major label for that, it was a pretty short period of time. But they did a lot of promotion for that. And then, since then, we you know we we've been doing releases independently since then. But we've uh, we've had a couple opportunities to go on uh, uh, some shows. Like we did the Tiny Desk concert about uh, maybe it's three or four years ago. I can't remember. So. And how did you get these? Is it just uh, reaching out to the right people at the right time, or as far as uh, like getting onto the that Tiny Death series or the VA broadcasting mountain stage? Yeah, I'm not even sure. They they probably reached out. You know, people. What was the, yeah, what, people have heard the music. You know, what was it like to like go there and be recorded like professionally? Was it oh, a different experience, or was it just another day? Oh, I it was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience because um, I'm just a big fan of that show, um, um, and, and the host. You know, I've been following him for a lot of years. Um, Bob Boylan, um, he was very, they were all very gracious and helpful, and they they have an audience that comes in uh, to watch. So you're playing to people, so okay. that's that's even better. Yeah, I was saying, yeah. I, I don't know what I would do if I was just playing to an empty room of cameras staring yeah, at me. Yeah. Like, where do you, where yeah. do I even look? Yeah, everything cool that I've ever done in that regards because. Of playing with the Innocence Mission, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. We have actually one of your songs from the Innocence Mission mm-hmm. there. You want to talk about it? Sure. That was on our uh, third record. Um, it was. Uh, it wasn't something that was released as a single or anything like that. So it's kind of. Uh, it's kind of a buried in in the rest of the album. But I always liked it. I, I, I like um, the. Uh, I like the melody. Uh, just singing. I, I'm really. I, I really like what the. What the rhythm section did, guitar tones, just the whole thing just came together. It's a what's it about? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's been again. It's again. It's been. I remember diving right. into these things for so long. I just. It's been that 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 record um, came out in 1994, I think, or 95. So. Well, you can, this is the Innocence Mission. Is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
and that was there by the Innocence Mission. That was really cool. It was an uh, experimental-ish guitar yeah, at the end. It's first I've listened to it. I mean, we, we were talking about when you asked me what the song was about. It, it, one of the things is you spend so much time working on albums that once it's done, I really don't listen to them anymore. No, I, 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 don't, I haven't listened to this album for decades probably <laughs> i don't blame you it's like it's like musical theater you've worked on yeah. this show forever yeah and after you're done with it i don't want to yeah. touch it ever again. yeah that and you're you're, you're you got another project to start. Another project to start that's <laughs> yeah. right so so speaking about uh, projects you have been a session guitarist for many people tell me about <laughs> what, what got you into that how'd you get into kinsing audio oh yeah doing uh session work um i well as far as just just in general um I got a lot of uh, experience, well, again, working with the Innocence Mission. Our first our producer on our first two records is a guy named Larry Klein, um, who is a you know, world-class bass player. He's more known as a producer now. Um, uh, but uh, he was like, um, he was one of the go-to session guys um, in the 70s and 80s. I mean, he's worked with uh, everybody from you know, Vinnie Colaiuta and... Uh, you know Joni Mitchell, who he was, you know, married to for for a while. So I got a free education on how to play, and in, in how to do studio work, uh, because uh, playing in a studio and playing live are two very different things. Right. And I've heard fantastic live musicians that can't, that just have, not able to lock in the way you need to to do a studio recording. What's the difference? Um, you have to. When you're playing live, because you're you're caught up in the excitement of the moment, and you know maybe the kick drum and the bass don't quite line up 100 percent, but it's okay. Yeah, you don't you're never going to hear it live, but the, but the excitement is there. Um, in the studio, you, you can't. You have to you have you have to you have to lock in, but you also have to play with a with a good feel. I mean, if you you can't um, you can't phone it in, or that's not going to sound good either. So gotcha. it's, it's two different things. So, right. So. Yeah. As opposed to the live, where you can kind of feel it and be flimsy with the rhythm, you right. have to in the studio. You have to feel it and not be flimsy at all. Right, right, yeah. And and Larry was so great to work with. So we never had. It's not like we ever had lessons, but I, I just I just learned, you know, from telling me. I mean, early on when we first, you know, uh, were getting ready to record, in the kindest way possible. I mean, he basically told me that I needed to get it together, you know, to to be studio quality you know uh, of a player so yeah it took a lot of work and sometimes that's the best that's the best way yeah is kindly tell somebody listen yeah yeah because i was a garage musician you right. know we were a garage band i mean we literally practiced in a garage so you, that, you know you could say that's what we were but um so yeah so getting that uh later on um i just well, one of the really things were that i'm really lucky having played with the Innocence Mission, is people assumed that I knew what I was doing. Whether I did or, or didn't, didn't matter. So I just started getting some calls for, for doing session work. Um, and then um, it just accumulates from there. You know, people talk, you know, word of mouth. Just, it, word just gets around. Plus, um, not a whole lot of people want to play bass. <laughs> so it, it, really? there's not a, no, it's, uh, it's not... An instrument like the guitar, or the drums. It's, uh, that's fair. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, 
basically, I mean, my stock line is uh, I, I've basically made a career playing instruments nobody wants to play. You know, so you got bass, pipe organ. Nobody wants to play pipe organ, French horn. You know, so. you can play French so, horn. Uh, not very well, but I, I was, used to. I used to. Yeah, I, was I played. Say. Yeah, I played in American Music Theater. That was the last time that I played French horn. So, wow, because <laughs> I I took a brass lab and French horn. Just the, the how small the mouthpiece is and how oh, particular yeah. you have to be with your embouchure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous, and yeah. it's. I love the sound, but I'm gonna have somebody else do that. I can't mm-hmm. be bothered. Yeah, years after I'd been struggling to get something decent out of this thing, I picked up a trumpet, you know, just uh, just to I check it out. And I was like, "This is so easy to play." Yeah, <laughs> and it's not. But but you know, I, I could you know, I, I could get a, a sound out right away. So yeah. yeah. Well, I went from French horn to trombone, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank God!" Right, right. <laughs> so, so not not easier, but I shouldn't even say less work. But it, it's it's more manageable. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. just playing. Uh, yeah, just to play the thing in tune. Uh, just right. say nothing. You got to stick your hand in a certain way to get the. You know, the right pitch. And the slightest change of your mouth that you would never, ever in your life mm-hmm. know unless you've done it for 10 plus years. Yeah. 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 And when I played American Music Theater, it was just as a pad for um, a song. I don't even know why they wanted that. Because um, I was playing keyboards in that band. <laughs> I was primarily a keyboard player and just playing orchestration stuff. You know, I, I was playing most of the string parts. So I'm like, well, I can't just play a horn pad. Right, right, right. And I, I get it, because um, back in, in that day, anyway, horn patches were still pretty terrible. So, That's fair. Yeah. So, they, so I, yeah, that was a, that was a daily struggle. Uh, Who do you think has been your, uh, one of your favorite session artists to work with? Um, I love working with, um, they're, they're all Kinsey Audio people. Uh, Jessica Smucker, I really, I really love her music. Um, we we've been we've been working on her music uh, for you know, some new songs for this year, and uh, also uh, Dan Zadilla is uh, uh, an artist. I really I really love his music. Um, sings great. Uh, he's also a visual artist, so he's not doing a whole lot on the musical side. He's having really great success as a visual artist, working primarily with uh, collage. You know, That's cool. collage work. Yeah. And uh, I know I can't say too much about because I don't know anything about visual art, but uh, right. I know that he's doing really, really well with it, and he's super good at it. We actually have one of the pieces uh, from Jessica Smucker. Yeah, Thunder Clouds and Violins, I do believe. Yeah, this came out on um, the last album. Do you know anything? Do you remember anything about it? Um, not in particular. It, it, it's it, I just remember. Um, that was really pleased with the groove. Uh, uh, Paul Murr is the drummer. He's the house drummer in uh, Kinsey Audio. And uh, we just have a really good, I feel, that, that we, we just lock together really well. Um, we're both kind of like laid back, a little, not behind the beat, but not, you know, but not pushing it forward a whole lot. And I just, I just like that. So. And, and I thought that aspect of what we do came out really nice in this song. This, so this is Thunder, Clouds, and Violins by... Jessica Smucker. Tell me I don't have to apologize for the way the light filters through my eyes. If you want to dance, let's take it slow. Cause sad songs are the only ones I know. All my 
holding on to a lovelorn lie, but I see it now. You'd rather dance than cry. Thunder Clouds and Violins by Jessica Smucker. And we have one more from Dan Zadilla, Never Be Free. You have anything to say about that one? Oh, Dan Zadilla. Oh, again, I, I love um it it's very it's it's very uh Beatlesque, um, or maybe even a little uh, you know, Beach Boys kind of thing. Yeah. Um uh, great melodies. Again, I just love uh I love part and uh and if i might allow myself this i really like my bass line in the in the song <laughs> it's, it's always good to be proud a yeah, little bit yeah proud i really did he really yeah his music in general just really bring brought that out a lot of my favorite things that i've played as far as that have come out of his music i just um i just like his uh what, what he's doing musically we have a lot of, we we have a lot of shared um bands that we that we like and artists so that's awesome yeah this is Never Be Free by Dan Zabella.
was Never Be Free by Dan Sedilla. What a, what a really fun bouncy it song. It is. Super fun song. And I'm sure you can find all of those on, <clears throat> on Spotify if you would like to listen to more of that style. That's Dan Zadilla. Dan Zadilla. Zadilla. Z-D-I-L-L-A. Absolutely check them out. When he had his last record mastered, uh, he went to this guy in Philly and he introduced himself, Dan Zadilla. And the guy's response was, Zadilla, sounds like a website. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's a yeah. Enjoy that story. If you've been enjoying this, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, all the major streaming platforms. You can look up the story, Corey Rosen, C O R Y R O S E N. Uh, for those on the radio, we're gonna go get you guys back to the music, but we're gonna continue on Facebook Live and talk about church training and teaching. With all that said, I hope you guys on the radio have a wonderful rest of your day. So you are now the choir director of St. Mary's Church. That's correct. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've, uh, I started actually just about a month ago. Um, I'd been accompanying the choir before, and I'd been playing organ uh, for St. Mary's um, maybe a little over 20 years. What have been some of the challenges you've found uh, between playing and then directing for a completely entirely different instrument? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. The the um, the thing I'm trying to figure out is how to direct while I'm playing. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> um, with you know just basically a series of head nods and and uh, and the like. Sure. So that that's that's been uh, that's been a challenge. The other challenge is I'm not trained as a vocalist, mm. so I don't know a whole lot of the finer points of singing. Um, I know how to, you know, arrange it. You know, get get the, the vocals, get them to sing the right parts. I can I can hear if the if something's being sung correctly or not, and uh, work in the dynamics and things like that. But uh, there there's some there there are some things I don't that I I need to to brush up on. <laughs> yeah, s- teaching people how to sing is a complete monster because everyone's right. different and. Mm-hmm learns differently right. or has a different voice, etc. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, uh, I made sure before my college career ended to take a, uh, to, to have lessons in voice because I mm-hmm. knew as a composer, uh, especially if I'm going to be writing vocal arrangements and songs right. and stuff like that. Right. And I can't sing myself uh, that yeah, well. I can sing all right, but um, I, I can't sing and play at the same time. So I sound uh, like yeah, Bob Dylan, right. you know, if I try to do that. <laughs> and, uh, um but uh, yeah, so that's that's definitely been a challenge. Like I can, uh, I have perfect pitch, so I can, so I, I you know, I, I whiz through the soft edge stuff. So I, I can tell, I can tell if things are off in that way, and I can, yeah, you know, make sure that it, that it, uh, that it comes together like that. Um, there's a whole lot of other things involved with, you know, how you start starting and stopping at the same time, how to close the consonants, things like that. Mm. I just, that I don't understand. Yeah. So, or I don't think about. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. those kind of things that, uh, you just hope the singers know right. already. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize, Oh, I have to actually, what, how <laughs> should this consonant be closed? Should this, how, how do you make that solid T? Is that a way? Right. It's not, right. An open mm-hmm. word that doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get me. Mean, 
yeah, because my focus tends to be pretty narrow. It's notes, <laughs> notes mm-hmm. and rhythms, and uh, that that's not enough, you know, to do uh, an ensemble, you know, like a choir ensemble. So I'm learning. <laughs> so as a, as a Christian, you've been involved in all of these secular or not a part of the church mm-hmm. uh, bands. How have you? How has your faith been challenged, if at all, or how do we as Christians interact with that and still stay true to Christ? Yeah, I, I think really it's about um, just how you conduct yourself, how you live your life. Um, if you're living, you know, you know, Christ-like life, I think people pick up on that. And that's to say, I'm not Perfect. certainly always like that. Yeah. But um, and it, it's yeah, uh, it's easy to not be. But yeah. Um, and I've discussed, you know, faith with people at various, and that's uh, so that that's always good. And I, I try not to uh, just to overtly you know, bring it up. Usually, it's somebody else that brings it up when they when they hear that I that I uh, work in the church and that, and then I and I attend church, and um, that uh, you know that I'm you know that I'm Roman Catholic and I've been uh, you know that that's a big part of my life, Christianity, and it, that's certainly been challenged, but. Uh, um, but yeah, just uh, try and keep you know doing better. Stay true to yourself, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because um, the the music world is filled of of religious spiritual people, mm-hmm. and it's easy to uh, get away from from Christ. Granted, because it's no secret that that the music industry is filled of like drug, sex, and rock and roll, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I'm not really around it. Oh, no, I mean, no, I, I, it's not some my experience. Um, and I think especially like um, well, when I was because I, I spent a lot of years touring with the Innocence Mission, um, you know, in clubs, you know, throughout the the United States. But um, I, I think I, I think you'll find what, whatever it is you're looking for, <laughs> you know. So we, we were that was just never a big, you know. Um, uh, it's just not something that we experienced. That's good to hear. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of struggling to to articulate it. But uh, you know, probably my worst vice on the road was like after the the concert was over, I'd get a six pack and go back to the hotel room to to unwind. Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, so that's that's the extent of it. Um, um for one thing, touring uh, was exhausting. I just wanted to go to bed. <laughs> you know, once the show was over, we were back at the hotel. Or you had to go and you had to drive overnight anyway. So mm. yeah, well, that's yeah. good. And even and now it's even more so. Um, just working around younger people now, mm-hmm. um, it's it's way different culture. They're not they're not really they're not drinkers. They're not smokers, obviously. You know so, and um, yeah, I think uh, younger musicians that, I, that I'm around, they're actually more, much more pleasant to be around as people. Good. Yeah, it is. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's not what I've been hearing. So that's yeah. good that yeah. there's a different uh, world out there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. At least from my my corner of the world. <laughs> so <clears throat> there is for sure. I I do know that there there are spaces like you can find it. It's yeah. It's it might be harder to find, but if you are a Christian or a religious person looking yeah. for your spot in the music industry, yeah, I think it. yeah, you're you're you know the audience that you're playing for is going to be a reflection of that. So again, right. being on tour for so long, the, the, people, the, the audience 
that would come that would interact. I mean, they were they're kind of like us on the same page, even if they weren't. A lot of people were not even Christians at all, but they but they appreciated what we were doing, and uh, I think they were intrigued about living your faith like that. You know, so. And the best thing you can do for yourself as a as a religious person is <clears throat> leave your or live your faith and be uh, solid in your principles. Yeah, it's it's one thing. Uh, a lot of friends of mine, they know if I if I'm ever out and because there's a lot of drinking going on and mm-hmm. uh, they always know not Corey. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, him. yeah. And that's uh, it's the way to be a light in some ways. Yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not very true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The most that happens is like um, people start, you know, talking about certain things in a way, you know, getting crude, mm-hmm. which is fine. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not offended by it. I just and and just sort of busting each other's chops about certain things. And again, I'm not offended by it, but I just don't participate. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's it, just not what I. Yeah, you can always walk away yeah, from the situation, yeah, or yeah. just not participate. That's fine. I just brush it off. You know, it's yeah, not, yeah. it's not, it's nothing big. It, again, it doesn't make me mad. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, you also teach as well. Mm-hmm. What is your teaching philosophy? If if you've developed one, or what what are some of the challenges you face nowadays to teach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's. I mean, there's a couple paths that I follow uh, as far as teaching. Um, most of, the, I mean, the bulk of my st- students are either kids or they're casual players. So, especially for the kids, I, I just want them. All I'm, tr- all I want is for them to love music. Mm-hmm. Like when I, like, I can play guitar, but I'm not a guitar player. That makes any sense, but I teach a lot of guitar. So what I do is I teach them what they need to know to play in a band. I teach them what the, what the power chords are, you know, and how to, you know, the pentatonic scales, you know, how to play little lead lines, and 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 then, you know, as if their interest is peaked, then I'll get, get, go a little further with that. So um, that that's basically I just want to show them, and and for piano players too, you know, um, just uh, you know I. Emphasize like learning about chords and harmony and playing like that. So uh, again, I just want them to love music, and if they want to play in a band with music, then I'm trying to give them the tools to, to do that. And I, and I've, and then then there's people that are serious about playing that want to do it a little further. I've had a couple, mostly bass players. Um, really? And I take a yeah, and I take a different approach with that. Um, you know, I get them, I get them reading um, music. And just working out of etude books, things like things that have nothing to do with rock and roll, because you know they just right. The eight, like, if if anything, if you want to become a really good like anything, uh, the classical music is going to teach you. It is all yeah. the normal normal things that regular rock and roll people are going to do, but you're going to be able to do them faster and and better than people right. just starting out. Right. Yeah. So there's. Um, and I, and I that's generally how I approach bass. Like I don't, you know, I don't teach slap. I don't teach, uh, um, you know, th- those kind of things like the tapping or any of those and harmonics. Because I'm like, you don't need me for that. Just go on YouTube. You can, right? You know, yeah. I can teach you, you know, how to, you know, how to play music. You know, um, working with um, scores and transcriptions and things like that. And again, not um, mostly like. Uh, you know, I'm not even a fan of bebop. 
Mm-hmm. But, I, but I often pull out that. I, I use that music a lot to get people playing. Um, to, to get them to, that's how they learn the, the fingerboard, you know, is to do those things and transposing songs. And, you know, now, you know, play this riff, but do it on one string, you know, mm. to, just things like that. And that, that's for the, the more serious player. So. And uh, for piano, I'll teach, I teach like more of a strict classical method if they're really interested in it. And piano is not my first instrument, so I'll, you know, if, if somebody's really interested, I'll get them so far, and then I'll just recommend them to somebody else that's, you know, that's really steeped in, in the classical technique. So what's the future, do you think, for you? Um, that's an interesting question, because I've been thinking about it a lot. I just turned 57 recently. Um, right now, since my um, my children had two boys they, they moved out of the house um, several years ago and so once once that happened then I started really getting back into playing live um, and then I managed to join these two trivia bands and they're getting incredibly busy so um, so I just want to see how long I want to continue to do that like if my uh, you know my knees and and health you know last for for uh, you know playing live but um, I'm probably going to get more entrenched in teaching and uh, also um, doing things in my church, you know, being an organist thing. So that, that's, I can see that's where things are going to be going to be going. What are some of the challenges uh, that you are finding about becoming older? Becoming older? Um, the, uh, I, I need, um, it takes me a lot longer to get ready to play, like warming up. So I, I have to do a lot of uh, playing um, just to get, to get comfortable. Um, get really tired after I'm finished playing and I got to drive three hours home mm. you know because basically because we do a lot of Saturday night shows and uh, you know we're um, I was in uh, where was I it was in, I was in New Jersey last uh, last week and it was a Saturday night and I had I had to drive home because I had church the next morning my right. first mass is at 8 30 so that so that 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 wears on you and that that was never a problem anymore um it takes me longer to learn music than it used to just you know that whole you know i don't feel um you know obviously as you get older you're not quite as sharp in that regard like memorizing takes longer um so yeah th- those are the basic things has it ever been frustrating for you, or is it just something you just push through and deal with? I get frustrated with um, being able to retain uh, retain music that I'm supposed to learn, uh, learning it. So I play better when I'm not reading off a of sheet music. But uh, but I have to for certain things I need to do that. So and uh, I don't I don't because I'm a little more stiff when I'm trying to read. Mm. So. Yeah right. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> even when I'm like trying to read this, it's like oh my gosh. Whereas if I could, I could just talk to you all day without yeah, right. a problem, right? <laughs> right, Because right. I already know what I'm going to say or I already know what, mm-hmm. what has to be done yeah. to be played. Yeah. Oh, and I just thought also my sense of pitch, like I said, I had perfect pitch, but it's not as sharp as it used to be. Mm. I think it's starting to go away, which I heard happens as you get older. So Yeah, and for those, yeah. In the, for those of you who don't know, perfect pitch is, uh, is it, it's where you can play a note and you can say, oh, that's a C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or you can yeah, sing the note on demand. So that's... Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's getting not as, it's getting a little harder to, to do that. And that's, and that's something you have to be trained on a lot 
to get mm-hmm. it down. And uh, it's very, I don't envy the amount of practice he had to do to, to get that. Oh, to get that? Yeah. I mean, to, to acquire it? To acquire it. I just had it from birth. Really? Yeah, it was just, yeah, I didn't, wow. I didn't have to work on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you might be talking about relative pitch. Relative, okay. And yeah, I know right. guys that are really, really good at that. And they, they did. They worked hard. They worked really hard to do that. Um, yeah, well, um, my friend uh, uh, Julie, she, uh, she's the singer in my Rush tribute band. She, uh, she doesn't have perfect pitch, but she sang this note. And uh, it was like an E-flat or something. It was perfect. She nailed it. And she says, yeah, because I, I hear, a, I, I know what song that that's associated with. I don't remember exactly what she said. That, but, yeah, uh, right. But yeah, and that, that just like floored me. You know, that, that, she, she just like, bam, you know, nailed it. Yeah, that, that's that's the way I've been doing it. Like, uh, um, you know, somewhere over the radio. That's like a major seven. <laughs> yeah. And uh, right. Jaws. Da, da, that's you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's that. Yeah, fish. yeah. My my like my mom had a whole notebook of those when she was yep. studying uh, singing. Um, like a perfect fourth was here comes the bride. You know, mm-hmm. things like yep, that. Yep, so, that's right. Yep, yep. And uh, for the tritone, it's uh you know, all right. The immigrant song. Yeah. Or, or yeah, she did uh, Maria, you know, Maria. Yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 Or yeah. The Simpsons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very much so. Yep. Uh, th- there's plenty of YouTubes for that if you want to train uh, your- yourself on that because that is an immense, incredible skill for you, especially as a, a session musician or somebody, an, a quote-unquote accessory instrument mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to learn because... Mm-hmm. If you're going to go up with somebody who, say you're at a gig and, and they just pull something out of their butt and you haven't practiced it before, mm-hmm. it, as long as you can know the key, right, you're going to know all of the chords very easily if you know your relative pitch. Right, right. I mean, surprisingly, I mean, the, the only practical uses I found for having perfect pitch is like transcribing it mm-hmm. helps with arranging because I, I can again it was that big you know i could learn hear things and plan back really quickly because um, uh yeah I, I don't think it it doesn't make one necessarily a better musician um but it, but it, but, it, but, it, 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 but it helps yeah sure sure it helps um i, I and I, I think about it because i see a lot of um people trying to sell you on how to acquire perfect you know like uh right. this this program you know will teach you how to do that so um i just think you're better off working on relative playing pitch. music oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah or sure. in relative pitch yeah i think that's a big piece too so yeah. as a christian what is worship to you an awesome question um yeah i mean i feel that when um yeah my worship experience is playing um is, uh, and I really felt that when I worked with the choir for the first time, you know, just because uh, I, I was hyper-focused and, um, and I could uh, really discern what, the, what they were singing, the song about, and then just the whole mood of the event. And that was, uh, that was, a, that was a really moving uh, a spiritual experience. So uh, I, I guess that's when it, it comes out the most uh, for me. Playing it as uh, playing at church, and it's and uh, usually it's because all the different elements come together. Like I, I really, this, the the hymn that I'm playing means something to me, you know, personally. And and uh, if I'm feel like I'm playing well that day and everything sounds great, and um, 
and the the, the cantor or the soloist, uh, if it's a, if it's a person that's really attuned to what sh- what he or she is singing about and attuned to it, then yeah, that's that's pretty um, that's pretty moving uh, worship experience for me. What is one of the best pieces of advice that anyone's ever given you? Well, um, since we're since we're talking about music, <laughs> um, the uh, well, this is kind of a this is kind of a bass player thing, but uh, is to um, learn. Uh, don't just learn the bass line; you got to learn the melody. Be able to play the, for anything you're doing. You got to be able to play the melody, and that would go for any instrument. I think play the yeah. melody of the tune. So I, I, um, I argue for that any yeah. instrument. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and I think it's especially uh, pressing for bass uh, because bass tends to do this one thing, and you know guys are just sort of content to think about the bass line. But there's so much else you know going on, and you know the bass bass players you determine what the chord is. You know the, the mm. guitar player can be playing C all day long, but if you play an A, then you it's just, an A minor. It's an A minor seven chord. Minor seven so five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a lot of power. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of power. You're like, oh, I wonder if I can play this note, and it's like right. it's immediately wrong. You're like, okay, maybe not. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely learn melodies because that's gonna improve your like improv your your lines that you make, the mm-hmm. interconnectivity of the whole piece itself. Right. Because you can, if you know the melody, you can pull it up on your yeah. bass. Right. Oh, uh, here's a piece of advice. I don't know if I heard this before, but I tell this to people. If you know, because some people, yeah, I get students that want to be, they want to do get into session work and and uh, getting into playing, and and I just say it's it's more important to work on your interpersonal skills. Absolutely. <laughs> um, because there are, sorry to say this, there are a zillion fantastic musicians, and most of them are going to be better than you. Uh, yep. That's just how it is, and you're just better off. Um, being somebody that people want to be around and want to work with. The, uh, the way for success in the music industry is being a kind person. Yeah, absolutely. There is no substitute for that. Um, uh, I, I, got, I got called to join a couple bands for that very reason, just because they, they wanted to make a change. You know, it just did not ha- didn't have a good rapport with uh, the other person. Um, yeah, unfortunately, guys that can really play um, – it, it kind of doesn't have a great effect on their personality. Well, <laughs> that's another thing uh, about being a musician yeah. is you got to always be humble. Oh my gosh, yeah, and there's no reason not to be. Right again, it's and, and I, I learned that early on because um, when I was in high school, I went to Cap- Lancaster Catholic High, which is a small school. So um, yeah, I was. I don't know how to say this without sounding like a huge ego, but I was the best musician in the school. And then my first semester at college, which which actually was a small school as well, not too big. Uh, all of a sudden, I was nothing. Yeah. I was nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, being humble. And then um, also, you have to you have to be able to do a lot of different things. I mean, I if if I was just playing in bands, I couldn't be doing this full time. You know, it just there's you couldn't play you musical to, theater. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't play musical theater. You you have to. No, uh, yeah. So, learn how to read music. Yeah, bass players. don't just be the bass player. Learn how to read. Learn how to learn something about arranging. Be the guy that can come up with the idea when you know people are trying to 
uh, figure out what you know what's why their song's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's uh, that's things like that are super important. What is one of the most memorable lessons you've ever learned? Uh, being being prepared. I, I remember one. I just remember uh, one early experience I had. I was working at the Fulton Theater as a sub, and um, the show—I can't remember what the show is. This is a more contemporary show, and um, I gave it a cursory listen, and I decided that the music was was not going to be challenging. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time. I say I'm just going to read it, and uh, it was—it wasn't good. It was bad. So I, I learned—I learned a really valuable lesson that day. Yes, uh, don't ever assume right. anything of music, especially because uh, I've done this so many times. I'll yeah. listen to the first few seconds, and I'll like, oh, I, I, got, I got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. But especially with like musical theater, yeah. it can change in an instant. Exactly. And yeah. it can get really difficult, really complex. And this is mm-hmm. any song, really. Right. Because you don't, if, especially if you don't know the band yeah. or if you don't know the person. And that's, it's super dangerous. It was really stupid of me to, to take that approach because, um, to, to, to be like that. Uh, because you, you, your reputation can just get wrecked with one yes. bad show, especially in like theater and stuff like that. So that was that was super reckless. Don't do it. Yeah, always <laughs> yeah. prepare. That, yep. And you're right. One bad show is your reputation yeah. gone. Yeah. Because uh, everybody knows everybody around here. Yeah. It's you. You can be replaced. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You can be replaced. You can be yeah. replaced, yeah. and they will yeah. replace you. Yeah. But. Hence, where coming being a nice, really nice person, yep. definitely helps. Be a kind human. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Be a kind human. Yep. <laughs> what is one of the uh, besides that? What is one of the worst things that ever happened to you on a gig? <laughs> or funniest? Yeah, or funniest. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Well, the. I mean, the worst things that have happened have been uh, technical problems. Uh, there, there was a show recently where I had uh, I had to start playing a guitar thing, start a song, and nothing else. It was it was cold, um, uh, cold start. So it was just me, nobody else, and you know I'm playing it, and nothing's coming out. Oh, and no. I could not, and I could not find the source of the of the trouble. I can't remember what it was, but it took me. Probably way longer than it should have. That's really <laughs> terrifying. You know, it was it was absolutely it was absolutely terrifying because we were we were playing in a it was in a theater, you know, mm. so it was like you know kind of quiet. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, that was pretty. Um, that was not good. What do you do in those situations? Do you just freeze? Do you continue? Do you? Um, Surely that's a theater. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing things long enough that I don't panic easily anymore but at that point because I could not pinpoint the problem right away I was starting to panic luckily the 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 singer he was he's super great guy he was he was engaging with the audience and everything while I was working it out so that's good that's good another kind human yeah (laughs) Uh, another thing musicians should learn is how to be a front man no matter who what part of the band you are oh yeah I'm still trying to yeah I'm still trying to learn that when I because um uh and we were talking about uh, Rush and the, the band went show. Well, one of the things is, besides Rush being like this really, uh, you know, playing this really intricate, um, complex stuff, they're putting on a rock show. Right. It is a rock show, and they're they're doing that. 
And that's not what I do. So um, after we, the first time we played um, the show, somebody was uh, commenting, you know, and said something to the effect of, um, yeah, you guys are really good, but your bass player looks like he's waiting for a bus. <laughs> so, so um, that's funny. Thank goodness. Um, we have uh, Julie, our, our fun singer. She is a performer. She's dynamic. And she's really been helping me out. She comes over and, like, we, she interacts with me while we play, and it brings me out a little bit. But, yeah, my, 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 uh, my, uh, my normal instinct is just to stand there and play. I just want to play the music right. Right. You know? And uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not a performer in that way. Now, in the, in the Genesis band, that's fine because they actually expect you to stand there and play. That's, mm. the, that's that, that, yeah. So, but um, yeah. So with uh, with uh, Solar Federation, I've been trying to learn how to perform. Yeah, that's, and especially for the, for that kind of stuff, like the interconnectivity mm -hmm. of the band, yes. but also for if things go wrong, you can just yeah, yeah. have some jokes in the back of your pocket. Right. Have have. Yeah, a uh, just a, a line or something or two, um, a little bit of a monologue to go into, because that stuff will happen. Mm -hmm. It will happen. Yeah, and it's going to be infinitely better if you yeah. have something to say about it versus you look panic deer in the headlights, and everyone's exactly. wondering what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying like most worst moments. They were they were all technical related mm -hmm. to technical issues. Yeah. I remember uh, this one time uh, at chapel, uh, our uh, head of the worship arts director, he he was he was playing guitar, but I knew something was wrong. It was all out of tune, and I was like, "There's no way in the world that he allowed himself to go up there out of tune." Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it was a, and it was all of it was a bit. It was a whole bit, mm -hmm. um, but it it he kept the but he went long enough, to, it, playing the same chord, not doing anything about it. I'm like. Wow, and then he's like, "So instead of uh, while you tune your hearts to the Lord, I'm gonna tune my guitar." <laughs> it killed me. Oh my and, gosh! And that that made it a, a better performance right. because of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, awesome. stuff like that is mm -hmm. gonna make or make or break a show. Yeah. It will. Yeah. So, what do you think? And this is a uh, last question, I think. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started music? I think it's going to be about the industry, about teaching, about... Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing that I've learned is uh, is uh, if, you, if you stay true to what you're doing and not try to... Um, and again, I'm, I'm, think, I'm kind of... Um, Using the Genesis mission as an example, because uh, um, we had uh, we had uh, some issues where we were there was pressure to perform a certain way or, or write certain kinds of songs or be right. uh, certain things uh, and and uh, you know I can't speak for the other people but I was starting to doubt so is, is this is should we be doing that are we gonna will, if if we if we do what they they they're saying we should be doing would we be successful would that, would that be good you know, and um, so that was, and again, that was just me. But uh, but uh, just stayed true to what we were doing and what we wanted to do. Uh, and eventually it came around that, that we built an audience and they came. So 
um, try, so trying to trying to um, trying to write that that the hit single. I I think that's just not the way to do not it. the way to do it. So, so, yeah, it, you're just not going to get success. <laughs> so if yeah. if you want to be uh, the best band that you can be, you have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't be Prince. Prince has already been Prince. You can't yeah. be Elvis. Elvis has already done Elvis. You can't be Michael mm-hmm. Jackson. You can't be any other. You can't be Rush. Rush has already been Rush. Yeah, right. Uh, you can give tribute to that, but you can't be Rush. Right. Uh, if you are going to make a band, you have to be yourself. That's the way you're going to get the most success. That's the way you're going to have longevity. That's the way you're going to build an audience. That's the way you're going to feel fulfilled in what you do. If you're trying to be someone you're not, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to get away from it, and it's going to fall apart. Yes, sir. Always stay true to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And with that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. If you have enjoyed this episode in any sort of way, please be sure to like, follow, comment. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook with us, please be sure to like the page, follow the page. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. It really does help us out. And if you really want to help us, you can go to our Facebook, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify and rate us with whatever advice or uh, feedback you have for us. We, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to read it out to anybody who, anybody who listens. With all that said, we have up a few guests this weekend. We have tomorrow, we have, I believe, it's Chris Keeney at 1 o'clock, and nice. he's going to be bringing in this really old instrument called the oud. And I'm really excited to figure out how that's, that's played and everything. Uh, Friday, we have a saxophone player from Right Coast Recording, Mr. Logan Kurtek. Uh, he's played with an immense amount of musicians and a really cool, really cool dude. We have Luther and Barbara Tyree this weekend. They, uh, Luther has his own music stuff going on, and Barbara, she takes old, misused, or uh, damaged instruments, strings, whatever, and turns them into jewelry for oh, nice. memorabilia's sake. So I'm really excited to figure out how she got into that. And mm-hmm. after that, we won't be back for a little while until next Friday where we have Grammy Award singer uh, Karen Blanchard at 1030. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of these episodes. If you want to figure out all of our future guests and events, please do check out our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen, C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See you guys later. Bye.